As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. So a win over Spurs, another clean sheet and the possibility to go 10 points clear at the top of the table if City can win their game in hand on Wednesday. What's not to enjoy at the moment? Welcome to Why Always Us. This is your Manchester City podcast from The Athletic. I'm David Mooney and I'm joined by The Athletic City correspondent Sam Lee. Hi Sam. Hello. When you said what's not to enjoy there, I was like, I'm sure plenty of people would say, I'm sure Sam and David will find something. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. We've got about an hour to uh, to dig through uh, no, the, last, be right. the, the last seven days. It's, I, even I, us. I, even I keep, us. I genuinely, I genuinely keep thinking, like, oh, this season could not be going... There must be there must be a fall coming because this season could not be going going better at the moment right now. Do you know what I mean? There's, there's nowhere in this season where, like, like United kept dropping points and, like, again, against West Brom, you're thinking, oh, well, they've equalised now. They'll probably go on and nick it and it'll, it'll stay there. Liverpool, like, took the lead and were like, oh, well, that's that's going to be... The, they're going to start picking up form again. And suddenly the VAR stuff happens with Leicester and then they're, they're two goals behind and Alisson makes another mistake. Like, honestly, things are going so well. City are not even conceding goals. What is going on, mate? Uh, I, I don't know, but, I mean, if you're worried about some kind of karma, and look, I don't know, maybe, not karma, but... So it, it balancing out along the line. Don't forget that the first few months of the season weren't great. So it's kind of like, it's you know, you've all, like if you want the rainbow, you've got to put up with the rain kind of thing. It's like the, the rain has already happened. Like from like the funny thing is as well. Like obviously, everybody's focused on this this run of Liverpool and Spurs and, and Everton and Arsenal and, and Man United and the Champions League game. And it's like there's so like there's so much like stress about oh god. Spurs always something always happens against Spurs. What if it's up? Oh, Everton, Everton. It's like, at this point, it doesn't matter. Like if if they weren't to beat Everton this week, or they weren't weren't to beat Arsenal, or or they weren't to beat United, not necessarily all of them. That would be less than ideal, certainly. But it's like there's so many games after that, and all the big clubs are mainly have mainly come in this chunk. Even if City drop points in a couple of the next like three games. I'm not even sure who the fixtures are afterwards, but I mean, I'd imagine there's Brighton. I'd imagine there's Newcastle. <laughs> I'd, I'd imagine there's, uh, well, obviously West Ham soon as well. It's like there's so many games and City are playing so well. Like it's, it's yeah, it's going, it is going pretty well in it. It is going pretty well. Um, yeah. But like, I don't know, you say, you know, what's, what's going on? Why is this going so well? It's just Guardiola made those changes, which we've discussed to death, and the reasons why he made them. Um, in his press conference on Friday, obviously he said that it was after that West Brom game that um, they spoke and said, "Look, we need to sort this out." So again, when when I said in my WhatsApp message to you that that game was shit, quite succinctly, um, at least they agreed. At least I wasn't far <laughs> off. Um, so yeah, they've, they've they've changed it, and they've got the tactical changes which we've talked about and I've I've written about. You know, the the other day that my article from the Spurs game, you know, Gundogan was allowed to stay forward and make that run in behind, you know, a striker's run, a number nine's run for the Edison pass over the top because he he'd made a run in behind the channel, you know, for Foden to pass to him. Foden went back, but obviously, if it was earlier in the season, Gundogan wouldn't have made that run in the first place for the, looking for the first pass. He'd have been deeper, or you know, at least when the ball had gone back, he'd have to go back and sit next to Rodri, and he wouldn't be in those areas. Now everything's working perfectly. It's the same 
same as the 100-point season. It's the same as the title-winning season. It's all working like clockwork. The players are so good. The plans are so good. It's that perfect combination. And that's why everything's going so well. Um, and look, in, like everyone's just kind of worried about injuries now. Um, and obviously the Gundogan one. I, I may get a text during the course of this podcast. I asked somebody on Sunday how he was, and they just said, it doesn't seem too serious, but, um, but I've not heard from him kind of thing. Um, and I've just... I've just messaged again. Do keep us updated if uh, if anything arrives, and we'll we'll kind of we'll kind of break it for everybody, even though it'll already have broken afterwards. If that makes yeah, sense. Well, yeah, I'm sure I'm sure <laughs> it will have. But I mean, but either either way, I mean, look. Obviously, we'll get into the nitty gritty of stuff, and I know we've kind of gone big quite early for a change. But um, coping without Gundogan is not ideal. So I suppose we found that what's not to be happy about already. Well done, us. It <laughs> four, wasn't four, ideal. There we go. Bang. Yeah, because of because of how he plays, and it's not just because he's scoring all the goals, but you know, just because of the powers I've talked about, and that you know, he's that controlled midfielder that keeps keeps the the play ticking over, and he's the only type they've got. But I don't know. I, I know, I know he is so important to the team, and I've said that so much. But I do think that a couple of games because like. I, famous last words but I don't think he'd be missing heaps of games like if, if it's not serious he might miss Everton and like maybe Arsenal at a push but you know it's it's a long season there's a, there's a lot of points still to come so it should be all right but I don't know I think there's there's enough players there's there's enough options in this team and everything's going so well going back to that wider point of everything working like clockwork it wouldn't be ideal to be without Gundogan um because he's the only player with that type but um it's everything, like you say, everything's just going so well. So we may as well kind of, I don't know, enjoy that and talk about that and let's crack on. Well, you mentioned a couple of your articles there, Sam, so people can go and sign up to The Athletic if they want to read those. Uh, the Champions League returns this week as well, and there's no better time to sign up for all of our unrivaled coverage at The Athletic. Until the 25th of February, we're offering new subscribers a half-price annual subscription. That's less than £1 a week for an entire year. To redeem that limited-time-only offer, go to theathletic.com forward slash mancitypod. That's theathletic.com forward slash mancitypod. And if you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review. Sam, I was going to ask about the title picture, but we kind of we've kind of touched on that already. It's it like I I know I was trying to get you to tell me to piss off last week, but like it's it's looking a bit more secure. Let's talk about the Spurs game. Um, did we did we actually learn anything about City from this win? Um, because because uh, to, to me it just felt like what we learned is is the same as what we were learning about City at Anfield yeah. that they are much more well equipped in this second half of the season. And they are that the performances are so much better in the second half of the season than they were in that first half, as you said at the start of the show. Yeah, I'm just trying to think. Like, is it is it? Are we learning anything new, or are we just kind of getting confirmation of what we already yeah, were learning? Confirmation, yeah, but I suppose it is confirmation. Like realizing that, because um, like like we said after the Liverpool game, that's that one big like monkey off the back. But obviously, Spurs stupid stuff happens against Spurs. And everyone, you know, City fans were kind of either joking or not joking before the game, but kind of like, oh yeah, we'll we'll miss loads of chances, and and Spurs will score one on the break, and that'll be it. Um, so yeah, I guess it's just confirmation that they're just so much tighter now. And obviously, City played Spurs when they were, you know, when when the machine was working. Obviously, those Champions League games were unlucky, but like that car, that run against Spurs it, it couldn't have gone on forever and even if it had to cost City points over the weekend it couldn't have gone on forever anyway the way City play and the way Spurs play in those games it's not sustainable um, and yeah that's why yeah I don't think it's learning anything at this point like you say it's, it's just confirmation that they are so good there's so many different ways of playing and like the subtleties and the changes in the game and the, the different ways they've got to combat things and you know the way they changed the midfield and kept the kind of both fullbacks inside alongside Rodri with Stones and Laporte behind. So you've got that that barrier of three in the midfield against the counter-attack. So look, City didn't control the counter-attack all the game, but I don't think you're ever going to do that all the game for, against a team like Spurs, who have got s such good players at it. Yeah. Um, so it, it just, yeah, it's just confirmation that they, they're like... There's no debate that they're the best team in the league by an absolute mile. It just it just seems to have come so quick. And like you say, last week you said, you know, is the title in the bag, et cetera, et cetera. And I, it still obviously isn't, but it does look so much clearer now. Like partly because of results elsewhere, but partly because the way City are ticking these games off. Well, like this is it with with 15 games to go. Like, what well, if City win 10 of them? 
then yes. like, like, like it, everybody else needs to win like 13 or 14. And it's yeah, just which, like, it's, which it's just not going to happen, is it? No, it's not. I saw that. I, I mean, I might be outing you here for robbing a tweet, but I saw a tweet to that effect yesterday. It was that tweet, yeah. Okay, um, yeah but I, it's a, from a locked account, so I didn't know if he, uh, if he yeah, wanted to be uh, named. Yeah, no, that's, that's fine. Uh, but yeah, when, I, when I saw it like that, because obviously, look, you might say, oh, well, City might not win those last 10 games because of, you know, an outbreak of, of COVID or, or injuries or whatever. But it's like, if you're thinking logically, like there's, and based, based on everything we've seen since the turn of the year, basically, um, and you can include that Newcastle game on Boxing Day, which was kind of the spark for it. Um, there's, there's just no reason to believe that City wouldn't win ten of those fifteen games. Um, but but even so, like even if you were to lower that, I mean, I, I'm I'm too stupid to work out the exact the maths of it, yeah. maths of what but, people would need. But if, even if City were to win eight of those, like, do you think United and Leicester could win ten of their ten of their last fifteen games? I don't know. Like United have got one win in the last five now, haven't they? Yeah. So yeah. when, when I, 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 I've got the league table it. in front of me, when uh, it's got the form of the last five, and uh, I, I, I don't think there's there's only Chelsea I can see and West Ham that have got three green ticks in it. Everybody else yeah. has has, uh, has only got two at most. So yeah, um, like obviously it could happen, but when you spell it out like that, and we're not just thinking jinxes or karma or Murphy's law, then. It, yeah, it, it looks pretty clear, doesn't it? Like, yeah. it's it's going in the right direction. And, you know, it's a week away from the Champions League, so everyone can start worrying about that again soon. Well, that's good. I mean, that that's what we I suppose we can worry about in future episodes, I guess. I mean, uh, if we're, if we're going to have to look for the negatives. Um, yeah, I can't but... wait for them to play Atletico Madrid. <laughs> um, just a quick word on Spurs as well, because obviously it's Spurs in the Carabao Cup final. Um, have we learned anything about how that game might go? Is it Are we going to see a carbon copy of that sort of thing, of, of Spurs sitting deep trying to hit City on the break? Well, unless Mourinho's been sacked by then. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I have we seen any evidence of Mourinho games against Guardiola where that's not really been the case? Well, no, we, we haven't. Have but I, like I just, I just wondered about the Everton FA Cup game if he was going to try and surprise City with something like that. I don't know. Uh, I mean, they lost that anyway. So yeah, um, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I mean, you'd, you'd think maybe at this point he would try and, um, you know, maybe a surprise would would work for City but I mean I suppose in his defence he's probably thought he has had some success against Guardiola teams playing this way um, and also for a final I don't know if you were to gamble it and get blitzed you might kick yourself for not doing what you're, you're true to so I'd imagine he'll go with the same like for various reasons I'm sure he'll go with the same approach and well, like, like I just said I, I'd forgotten actually that that was, that was the game coming up there will yeah. be another City Spurs game soon. But um, like I was saying about that run can't go on forever. Look, <laughs> there might be an unlucky 90 minutes again for City. But yeah, if obviously if the game is anywhere like the weekend when where Spurs sit back and City have all their different combinations and people making those runs in, in behind, generally Gundogan. Um, and obviously De Bruyne will be back. I'm sure we'll get on to De Bruyne being back soon. Well, uh, yeah. um, I, can't see any, I can't see any problems with that. But obviously that's, that's in April, isn't it? So... A bit of a time away. A bit of time to come. Uh, let's talk about De Bruyne's return then, uh, because uh, Guardiola spoke to Sky, uh, I can't remember if it was before the game or after the game at weekend, uh, but uh, he was talking about De Bruyne's return, uh, and he said, the doctors told me maybe next week, which is the week commencing uh, January the 15th, maybe if he can start training with the team, that is good news for us. He has a good recovery with injury problems, although it can go bad at the same time. I said to the doctors himself as well, uh, we can't forget what happened in the second league, the Premier League that we won most of the season he was injured because of a muscular problem and came back and then muscular again came back muscular again came back uh, and I don't want to take a risk I want to be sure we want to be sure he wants to be sure that when he comes back it's because he is completely recovered and fit um I said he playing it safe with this one with him do you think uh, uh, partly because of of the situation at the top of the table and partly yeah. because of his injury record in the in in, in that 18-19 season yeah I think so and like look if if there were to be a bit of a crossover and Gundogan were to miss like three weeks, which is completely hypothetical, then maybe they'd be like, we do need to bring it back here to shoulder a bit more of that burden, you know, for the, for if he can just create more chances and, and maybe score some goals, which obviously he hadn't been, then great. But yeah, the way it's going, 
there's no need to rush him back. They're not. They're they're far from desperate. And it's that weird thing which I've talked about at length before, and every City fan already knows. It's that weirdest thing where he's the best player in the Premier League and quite possibly the world. Um, but when City are purring, they don't need him. <laughs> they just don't miss him because of they got so many other great options and like it's that whole clockwork system working brilliantly. So. Yeah, they don't need to. They don't need to rush him back. I think when he first got injured, which feels like forever ago now, was it the Villa game? I can't um, remember, you know. And that Villa game, I think it was Villa because people were pissed off with Grealish leaving one on Walker, and obviously he went off injured, and De Bruyne. So I think it was Villa. Um, that was that. That was that big night, wasn't it? Where it felt like City were never going to score, and then they did, and it was like this is it. Like if they win the title, people will remember this one as as one of those games. Um, that feels like ages ago. I couldn't tell you when that was. Middle of January, I guess. <laughs> it's probably about 10 days ago, wasn't it? This, given yeah, this probably. Um, but I think what they were aiming for then, obviously De Bruyne was hoping two to three weeks, but I think behind the scenes, everybody was thinking maybe you know the Champions League game, the first one, which is obviously in about 10 days, would be the goal. But it sounds like yeah, if he's, if he's returning to training this week, he'd kind of be, you know, he might be in contention for that, certainly. Um, so that, they wouldn't be too far off. But I just think... Like with Guardiola saying, then he does generally react quite well from injuries. You know, he's had hamstring injuries in the past, and he's he normally recovers quite quickly. But by bringing up all of those problems he had in the 2018-19 season, there's just no point in risking him. And look, you don't need him for Gladbach, but you might need him for you know Atletico Madrid or whoever they end up yeah. playing this season more than any, I suppose, as well, given the, the fact that the schedule is so unrelenting at this stage now. Um, I saw it. I, I saw um, uh, Dale from ESPN tweeting about what City's fixture list would look like if they made all the finals, uh, and they just don't get more than four or five days rest in any midweek now between now and the end of the season if they were to make every final. Obviously, it, it's reliant on them getting to the finals, but still, um, it could be it, it could be quite a busy period. There's no sense in rushing him back and having him miss more games in the in the long run, is there? Um, no, definitely not. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Let's look at, at, at the team how it shapes up at the moment, though, because, okay, Gundogan's injured right now, and so if De Bruyne comes back, and while Gundogan is still injured, there is a, an opening there. Um, but then again, you could get a text that says, oh, no, he'll miss the Everton game, but he'll be fine after that sort of thing. So where does De Bruyne fit in, in a team that is playing so well, without disrupting the team that's playing so well? Yeah, well, I mean, in fairness, like, there's been a lot of questions about this, like disrupting it, but like this run the City were going on, he was playing. He was part of that. Obviously, at Chelsea, he, was, he wasn't in the midfield. So people would be like, oh, maybe we'll go back into that false nine position, which I don't really see, unless he comes back against United and he plays in the false nine position against United at home. I could, I could possibly see that. But it, it's like people, people think City found this form while he's been injured. And it's some, it's some for, formula that they found. It's like, oh, De Bruyne's not playing. This is why we're playing well. It's like they were playing really well with him and they're playing really well without him. Um, but because it's De Bruyne, and because he's so good, and I don't know. Um, there's, but basically, it's like I said before, and it works both ways. There's no downside. Like when, when he's been available, City been great. When he's been unavailable, and they've got everything working well, they've been great. So, put him back in, it won't be a problem. Yeah. Like it, it might not be great for Bernardo Silva, you know. People are like, oh, where's he going to fit? Where's well, he going to fit back in midfield, isn't he? He's going to go back into De Bruyne's role. Um, what's going to happen to Bernardo? He's going to go back into the front three, isn't he? That front three is going to change around a lot. Um, it, it always changes around. It changes around week, week to week, game game to game. Um, obviously, at the moment, you know, Foden's Foden's playing well. Sterling's playing well. Um, and then I don't know, Jesus 
Jesus does Jesus's job, and particularly Anfield when he came on, he did that very well. But it changes around so much, and like I say, with with Man United coming up at home, you know, Bernardo playing as a false nine again, that wouldn't surprise me. Like there's there'll there'll be plenty of opportunities for everyone. Like it's there's just no bad, there's just no downside. Like De Bruyne coming back into the team is great. Yeah. Um, and mean, when you think you, about how if the... you were Bernardo Silva, you'd be a bit annoyed. Like if you were going, oh, what's going to happen? But I don't see why anybody else other than Bernardo Silva would be worried about what's going to happen when De Bruyne comes back. Yeah, I mean, you look at how the team rotates as well. Like you look at the starting lineup, and it's it's different by one or two players week to week, and certainly in the front three and and kind of front six, if you will. Yeah. Um, and like like Mares comes in, or Foden drops out, or like something like that happens, and City still play well. So it's just it's just another option to have in there, except Absolutely. he just happens to be the best player in the league. Yeah, exactly. I mean, an article I would really like to do. Um, not sure I'll get the time. I don't know next couple of weeks or maybe ever maybe it's maybe it's too subtle and it's too kind of analytical for for me to understand but I'd love to know what the actual differences are in City's game you know the output who's not so much who's creating the chances because that's easy to find but why are those chances being created for those people and what does De Bruyne do that's different to Bernardo Silva and is there is you know is there an upside to Bernardo Silva I remember Guardiola said after the game against Chelsea when when De Bruyne was up front um, and Bernardo was in midfield, I'm sh- it was just a throwaway line, but I'm sure he said City are more solid in midfield with Bernardo. And I'm sure he actually said, not not just like generally, but like with Bernardo rather than De Bruyne. I'd love to really dig into that. I, I will try. Um, I've got a lot on. Of, I'm just of thinking of... Things, I, I, but that's very interesting. I'm just thinking of the warm-up question you'll have to ask Guardiola before you can get to that one. <laughs> no, that's never happening, is it? <laughs> I mean, uh, I don't know. I mean, to be, I mean, to be fair, you could say what's the di- if you just went in cold with what's the difference between, you know, how does City play when De Bruyne plays and how to how does City play when Bernardo plays? I mean, he wouldn't. I don't think he'd take it badly, but he'd most likely just say, it's like a, a blanket. It's fine. You know, we're yeah. we're good with them and we're good without them, kind of thing. Yeah, which is um, true. I just like to know the the more sort of differences if there are any. It's something I'll look into. We'll see. The kind of intricacies that go on there. The, the, the other, the other interesting angle, I, I guess, as well, Sam, is um, not only is is De Bruyne back soon, and and like the team will need to be shaped slightly differently to to kind of fit him in as well. Uh, they've been playing without a striker for quite a while now, and um, Sergio Aguero is 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 almost back. This is what Guardiola was saying at weekend about uh, Aguero's return. I think, in fact, in fact, I think you asked him, didn't you? Um, yeah. Uh, about Aguero's return because he obviously he was on the bench but 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 never came on. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, yesterday make an incredible tough tough training session and I said come to the to the team and uh, the important is uh you know he struggled in his COVID uh, situation and step by step as soon as soon he will get a little bit his physical condition and the game and the game provide us to you know to to let him play he will play. Uh, so quite a, a quick answer from Guardiola on that one. So I mean, he's uh, he, he's there or thereabouts I guess is he Aguero. Uh, well, I mean, the fact he didn't warm up at all um, and didn't come on shows that he's not... Like, he was effectively not in the squad. But I, I was actually thinking, you know, when he's saying step by step, maybe one of those steps is come back, be around the lads, be in the dressing room. Because it'll be good for him because he won't have done it for so long. And I think it'll be good for everyone else as well. Like, you can have a, a, a young lad in the dressing room and obviously... They're never going to come on, are they? Let's be honest. Like, there's no way Adrian Bernabe is going to come on in the game against Spurs. But like, and it's obviously it's good for them, and you know they they bring their own little thing to the squad. But like, the, what Aguero brings to that dressing room, just in terms of his personality and character, is huge. Um, so he was effectively not in the squad, I think, the other day. But obviously he was officially, but um, didn't warm up beforehand. I can't I, I can't say I noticed whether he warmed up on the touchline during the game or not. Maybe he did to keep warm. Yeah. Um, but he's obviously not quite there yet. Um, but yes, obviously it's, it's he's fit enough to be in the squad officially, um, to be around his teammates. And like I've always said, like the games are ticking off now. So it, it sounds less convincing when I say it, but there are still a lot of games to go. And, you know, God, if you only scored one goal, but it was a Champions League final, <laughs> it it approved it, it approved something of a point, wouldn't he? So he yeah. has he has got he has got plenty of opportunities left, and um, yeah, he, he's getting there certainly. 
I can't remember if it was you or or one of the other uh, journalists at the game that tweeted that Guardiola reacted almost as if that he they'd had to beg Aguero to bring his boots for that game. No, I I, I hadn't seen that. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, honestly, no, no idea, no idea. Um, yeah. But I, I guess it was just yeah, have Aguero around. Like it's just that is literally good news for everyone. Yeah, like he's he's a hilarious guy. Like he's really he's really lovable, isn't he? As as I'm sure everybody listening to this knows. Well, no, I, I was going to say I don't think you'll find many people listening to this that've got a bad word to say about him, but that's just Probably. a hunch. <laughs> um, uh, I want to bring in this from Paul Blacklock on Twitter, uh, who um, kind of he helps us helps steer this ship into the direction where we're going to move to next, uh, because he says, uh, "I wonder if." Well, quite. Uh, I wonder if the lack of fans has helped some players, the ones that usually get a lot of unfair stick. I'm thinking Gundogan, Mares, Rodri and Zinchenko in particular. Um, so let's quickly touch on, on each of those. Um, uh, Gundogan's improved a lot. I, I'm I'm not I'm less convinced about the about the the, the fans thing for Gundogan because I think yeah, I, I think he he's somebody who. I mean, he said himself, hasn't he, in the last few weeks that, well, look, put me in the team, and and I always feel like I've done my job that I've been asked to do, and I, th- yeah, I think yeah. he, I think he's benefiting more from a change in role rather than yeah. the lack of fans in stadiums. And I've always been keen to make the point that although he's scoring loads of goals at the moment, he's not. He wasn't shit before, and now he's really good. He was. Doing, he's always been doing his job, but if anything, the problem you've, if you want to complain about the job, you've got to complain about the job he was given, not how he was doing it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he's you know he's he's got a change role and it it suits him brilliantly and the team is getting him into those positions because you know whereas earlier in the season it was use the ball very conservatively and have everyone down the middle and give it to De Bruyne and hope for the best. Um, now everyone's playing those forward passes and everything's set up for him and it's set up for Foden and it's set up for Bernardo and it's set up for Sterling and whoever's playing number nine whether they're number nine or false nine. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, Rodri, the same. Like, even when we were less than convinced by him, you know, my point was, it looks like he doesn't fit. You know, they signed him to do something. You know, they signed him to play in the 2018-19 team, but he ended up playing in the 19-20 team, which yeah. is very different. But I, now, think, now I think Rodri settled, though. I, I am, I am, well, yeah. I, I'm so much more on board with Rodri. I'm, I'm, I, I think I said to you privately at the, at the start of the season, there was a point where... I, I was honestly thinking like if, if Rodri never played for City again, I wouldn't be that disappointed. Oh, you said it last week on the podcast. Oh, did I say it on the podcast last week? Yeah, the Leeds uh, game, yeah. Yeah, and I, I was like, but now you look at, at his performances and you're like, well, he, he's anchoring that midfield, he's playing the passes yeah. that he needs to play and he's putting in the tackles that, that, that help break up play and that's, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. ultimately what you want from your defensive midfielder. Yeah, and it's like whenever I, like if ever I'm talking about City either on this podcast or wherever else, like, Whenever I talk up the system and how it suits people, I never want to um, do down their own individual abilities because if it was that easy, then you know, just play me, I hold a midfield, and it'll be fine. And but we, obviously, we he's, both he's, said he's, each other play, so that's correct. <laughs> Not going to happen. Um, but I mean, obviously, he's yeah, he's 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 improved individually. He is making those tackles whereas before he wasn't. But at the same time, everything suits him, and like there's there's just a perfect harmony, and that's the same for everyone else. Like Gundogan is now thriving because. He's pushed forward into that role that lets that allows him to make those runs and and be in those positions. But you know he's still good enough individually to do that. And it's the same for Foden. You know Foden wasn't playing earlier in the season because it was also cautious and he was a bit more forward thinking. But now they're playing to his sense a bit more. Um, so yeah. So, so again with Rodri, no, I, I don't think so. And like, were were they really getting stick inside the stadium? Like, we'll get on to Mares, and that's the biggest one. But, um, <laughs> But like when, so Gundogan, if you're thinking what Gundogan and Rodri were doing last year and they were just kind of playing the ball to each other, let's say in our mind's eye they were just shuffling the ball around to each other. Like, you don't get, you might get rumblings around the stadium. I think, but I think get that's it forward, the difference. But it's not a, but it's not a, there's not an outburst of fuck's sake, like, you know, it, but when you get to Mares and Mares cuts inside or he runs the ball out of the back or he plays the ball or goes out of play, that's when you get the outburst kind of thing. But then when it comes to Mares and the question being, is he you know, is he benefiting from not having fans in the stadium? Mares is the same as he always was. He's always like he's he creates a lot, but he's really infuriating. He's the same now and it's the same when there were fans in the stadium. That's that's how I see it. I don't know about you. Yeah, I'm 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 again less convinced on Mares and it's uh, he's he's somebody that I kind of go through fits and spurts with in terms of, of of how I feel about him in the team, and I think it all depends on how he's been playing recently. I think because he goes through these these spells where I feel like he needs to be played into some sort of form, 
and then he hits form and you're thinking, well, I'm, I'm kind of glad he's in the team because he's, he's doing what he does really well. And then he'll have one of those games where he runs it off the back or he, you know, he keeps hold of it for too long or he, you know, he, he cuts inside and can't quite find the shot sort of thing. And you're thinking, it just isn't working for him. He needs to come out of the team. And then when he comes out of the team, it's then going to take him three or four games again before he gets in that run of form again. And I, I, I saw it mentioned um, either last week or the week before about City's front line. And it was, I think it was on Match of the Day, I think it was Danny Murphy on Match of the Day, uh, talking about how at Leicester, Mares was one of the key players. And so everything went through him and that was playing to his strengths. Whereas at City, because he's, because he's in and out of the team, it, does, it just doesn't give him the flow that he needs to hit the sort of form that we saw at Leicester. And I wonder if part of it is is because he is in and out of the team, but I also wonder if part of it is because City don't rely on him like like, like Leicester maybe relied on him in, in that title-winning season. Yeah, and also they had a load of space to run into. I know like a lot of his goals were tight spaces on the left, shift it inside and, and shoot with his left, and he'd, he'd get them that way. But, you know, he had a lot of counter-attacks and stuff like that, which City just don't do. And in fact, like... There was a part of the game, this is a big tangent, but there was a part of the game on Saturday when City had a couple of chances to break. And I was like, they're, I was like, they're genuinely bad at counter-attacking. Like, what are they doing? Like, there was one point where obviously we'd seen Spurs, as soon as they get the chance, just sprint down the other end. There was one time they just got it and like, I swear they got to the halfway line and just stopped and turned back. I was like, what are you doing? This isn't the counter-attack. <laughs> but it's like it's like Guardiola says. He's, who did he, when he was saying, again, after that Chelsea game, you know, we're not a team for the 40, 50 metres, he goes, you know, when we had Sane, we could do it. I think he said De Bruyne could do it. Um, I think he said maybe maybe Raheem. And I can't remember who it was bringing it forward. It might have even been Sterling. But it was just so bad at counter-attacking the other day. But I guess just playing to their strengths and it probably made more sense to slow the game back down and get, uh, get the ball moving around again like they normally do rather than risk you know losing the ball and having to chase it back again i guess but i was just like do they not practice ever i was gonna say i guess it doesn't really benefit city to turn the game into a basketball game as like you attack no, we attack you attack we attack yeah. and like what it, what suits city is we attack and then you get the ball back with nowhere to go so we attack again <laughs> yeah um but, but just go bringing it back to mares and yeah like you just said it probably doesn't suit them to do that but i don't ever remember and I'm sure it, it must have happened. But when City have had opportunities to counter-attack, and invariably it doesn't go in. You know, they're very good at covering the space, but they get to the box, it doesn't go in. But I never remember Mares being the one carrying the ball, ever. Like, I just can't imagine that. Like, may, maybe I'm just completely off base. I, I just don't remember him doing that. So in that sense of, yeah, he's got a different role at City. Yeah, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't carry that ball. He, he's more... The way City get him into those positions is obviously switching the ball to him. So that one, the good example is Burnley the other week when Edison found him and he controlled it with the outside of his foot and he runs at the full back and cuts inside and has a shot. That's that's kind of the classic Mares, and that's the way that City get him into that role. But um, yeah, I'd, I don't know. Like I, maybe maybe I'm not appreciating what he brings to the team. But like we talked for about an hour about the Liverpool game last week and I'd, he barely got a mention. Yeah, like nine players were fantastic and. The others, the other two, whoever they were, I can't, I can't remember who the other one would have been that didn't do especially well. Maybe, I mean, maybe it was literally just him. Maybe it was probably Edison because he didn't have much to do. Yeah, that's, uh, that's and Mara, isn't it? But like, if Mara's were to leave in the summer, uh, would it be a problem? Like, if they, in terms of like having one less option, yeah. But like if they bought a replace, if they sold him and bought a replacement, which is what they do, if if unexpected people want to leave. They'll, they do it so they're like, right, well, you bring us this amount of money and we know exactly who we'll spend that money on. I don't think that will be the end of the world. But yeah. but at the same time, I know he's the second most creative player for City since the start of last season. But I just don't, I don't know what it is. And like, where, when was the last time he scored a league goal? West Brom, I think? Uh, possibly. Is he, so is he on six or five? And like, and three of them are still that hat-trick against Burnley? So... I don't know. I don't. I like. There's there's other players who are creating. I don't know. Not more, but you could you could put uh, clearly because he doesn't play all the time. And since City changed tactics, he doesn't play so much because it's not inverted wingers. I don't need him so much. Like there's just there's other options. It's not a problem. Like that. I, I don't think I don't think he's missed really. Yeah. Um, I don't think that about too many players. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Let's look at uh, the other player mentioned there because I wanted to talk fullbacks this week. Um, uh, obviously, uh, Paul mentioned Zinchenko. Uh, Cancelo has uh, been one of oh, the, yeah. the players of the season so far. Uh, Walker's ended up dropping to, to potentially second choice at right back, uh, but he's still been very good. Uh, over the other side, you've got Zinchenko, who's found uh, quite a lot of form in the last few weeks. Mendy's still being Benjamin Mendy and in and out the time, in and outside, you know, in and out of injuries, that sort of thing. Um, so let's look at Sinchenko. What's what, where's he at at the moment? Because it always feels like he's on the way out, and then suddenly he's in the team playing really well. Yeah, like yeah. I mean, I think I can't remember if it was on this show or just something I've read from City fans. But in terms of those sliding doors moments, you know, maybe you know, keeping Garcia and selling Stones being the plan, and you know, wanting to get Maguire in and wanting to get Jorginho in. And those, I think those players would have been better off at City than they are at their other, the other clubs because of City's, you know, they can get the best out of their players when everything's going well. But it does make you think. They've been very keen to get rid of Zinchenko at different times. And I think he's the best man for the job. Like We've seen like that Newcastle game on Boxing Day was the kickstarter for all of this in terms of how they're playing. And Ake did a very good job, and I'm sure he can and will do it when he comes back in 2025. <laughs> but um, Zinchenko, he's just, he's just so good at that. Um, and like I mentioned the other week, I was having that conversation, and I think I'll write about him this week. But if he went to... Like, so he nearly went to Wolves a couple of years ago. Like, where would he play at Wolves? Well, the, this, this hypothetical is... chat of another top six team, where would he play for any other top six team? But well, it's absolutely perfect for what he is doing at City. It's... But th- he's, this is what I was going perfect. to ask you because, like, if another club did buy him, would they be buying a left back or would they be yeah, buying exactly. an attacking no midfielder? No. Um, yeah, I think they'd probably be be buying a, an attacking midfielder, or maybe like I don't know, maybe they they could see like a, a deep lying midfielder. But um, how many how many other teams want a deep lying midfielder? Like uh, somebody to play that kind of single Fernandinho role, pivot role, number six role, whatever you want to call it, that's his profile. Like, even Rodri's big. Like, he's not a... Rodri's not a bruiser, but he's a big lad. How many other teams would want Zinchenko to play there? And yeah, attacking midfield, possibly. Possibly. But, um... uh, Chelsea, their number eights are more dynamic, aren't they? Really. Because I don't see him as a specially dynamic player. Um, what does he play for really Ukraine? He plays, does he play forward for Ukraine? Yeah, I think more of a number eight. I think. Um, I think. Possi- I think he has played as a number six as well. That's why I kind of brought that into the equation. But I, yeah, I just don't. I don't. I don't know where, what what he would do at other Premier League teams. And that's not because he's not a good player. It's just like the the particular profile of player he is. It just seems to suit this perfectly, and like better than. Then Laporte being there because you know Laporte's passing game is a bit more longer range, you know, mid mid range and long range. Obviously, he can switch the play very well, and as we saw against Spurs, you know, he, when he plays centre back, he can get the ball through the lines up to the number eights. But Zinchenko's just got that little one touch, you know, half half touch little passing game going on that almost Pauser like really that kind of control midfielder thing and he and he's just so good under pressure you know at Anfield he, he he miscontrolled the ball so it's not a great example but it was like 20 seconds in at Anfield miscontrolled the ball and he had two players gaining on him over by the touchline and he still didn't panic he, I think he just turned inside and gave it back to Edison possibly or, or the centre-back and I remember being at Old Trafford for the Carabao Cup game in in January, and and United had kind of forced the ball over to his area by by they had an attack and it broke down, but I think they pressed, and I think they might have blocked a clearance or something, and the ball went out to him, and he looked, and I, maybe I'm kind of editorialising a bit here, but I could see in real time, I felt like he he was like, 
I'm just going to boot this because that was what the kind of situation dictated. It was real under pressure. Let's just get it down the field. And he didn't. And he played it inside. And that's when City worked their way up the other end and De Bruyne hit the post from the outside of the box. And it's just like, that's just that's just so important for what Guardiola wants. And I'll probably use those examples in my article and I'll, I'll try and find some others. But it's just that his short game is just perfect for what they need. And the positioning and, again, as we saw against Spurs, he's also kind of grown and, you know, he was make, like winning headers Sometimes the headers were like interceptions. Sometimes the headers were like aerial jewels, uh, winning tackles. I think he did like that cricket long barrier position on the edge of the box. It was either him or Stones. I can't remember now. I'm a bit confused. But whoever it was, because I was impressed with both of them, they made a really good tackle on the edge of the box. And I was just like, that's another tick in your column, mate. Like you're having a fantastic game. And yeah, like there's no reason. When I went back to that conversation about, oh, Laporte, will he play at left back? And obviously it's something that Guardiola tried a bit or in that left-sided centre-back role when they'd go to a back three uh, in in the end of the game against West Brom and obviously against Burnley. But it's like, we don't need to shoehorn him back into the team because it's not like somebody else isn't doing the job. Yeah. Like he doesn't he doesn't necessarily deserve to play ahead of Zinchenko. Not really through any fault of Laporte, although those, that, those quotes he gave to BT before the Burnley game about, we'll see what happens at the end of the season, were, you know, were a bit of a clue. Um a bit of a clue, not major, but there we go. Um, but like, Zinchenko just doesn't deserve to lose his place at all. And like, in, in a big bruising game against Spurs, like, start of the second half, obviously this was the midfield battle, but Spurs had uh, Sissoko, uh, Ndombele and Hoiberg in midfield. Absolute units, all of them. So mobile, so physical, so strong and so fast. Like, City's midfield was obviously Gundogan and Bernardo Silva. And like I say, Rodri is a big lad, but he's not really a bruiser. And like there were times, and T Tanganga's a big lad. And there were just all these small, nippy City players like Foden and, <laughs> and Sterling and Zinchenko just like doing their best in the strength takes, um, strength stakes, but just like running around them and just using the ball better and more intelligently. And, you know, that's how City play. That's how they do it. And like going to Goodison, you know, everyone's got an idea of what that game's going to be like. It won't be particularly nice, but I, I don't know. Like I, I'm a bit worried now. I'm going to probably write this article before Goodison and you're always worried about the old jinx. But like, there's no reason not to play Zinchenko or Goodison, I don't think. You know, well, it's not just that. fits in, does what he needs to do. There's no, there's no reason not to play Zinchenko at all at the moment. And it's not, it's, it, it sounds strange because when you think about how he, how he ended up in that position, um, you, you go back to the problems that City had as, you know, as soon as Mendy got injured against Crystal Palace back in 2017. And, you know, Danilo wasn't really cutting it at left back. They found Fabian Delph who could come in and, and kind of do the job that they wanted. Um, Zinchenko, I think, I think it was in that seventeen eighteen season where Zinchenko played one or two games at left back. Uh, he had the, he, he played the big game, um, the uh, cup final against Chelsea. Was that that season? I think it was, wasn't it? Um, where. Uh... No, that was no, that was last, season after, that was, 20, that was eighteen nineteen. Yeah, um, that was that was when he really nailed his place down in the team. Yeah, but it was only like the last four months of that season. Like it was, he was he was in that team very for a short amount of time when he got the new contract of the number eleven shirt. It was only, he, it felt like he'd been there for ages, but it was only like February onwards. Well, because the, the, the reason I mentioned the Chelsea final was it struck me that Guardiola had picked him then at that point three times against Chelsea. Uh, and it was only mm. for the first one against Chelsea where he had no other options at left-back. And like, like, like the second time was the 6-0 league win, I think. And then the third time was the cup final. And in both of those options, both of those games, he could have played somebody else at left-back but picked Sinchenko. Mm. And okay, interesting. you kind of get to this position now where we're talking about what what well, where's he going to play if another club bought him? Like City are playing him left back. He is a left back for for, for City, in, in, in for, to all yeah. intents and purposes. We can't judge him as anything else. And not only is he is he a left back, but he's doing the job that that City wants him to do, and he's doing it really well. Yeah, but he's a certain type of left back. So again, if you think about, we talked about Rodri and Gundogan being in roles that didn't really suit them last season, uh, and even at the start of this season, Zinchenko didn't play well last year, but he wasn't he wasn't really as far as I remember, doing that inverted fullback role, the one he's so good at. He was just asked to play as a left back. Get up, you know, he wasn't the ultra attacking, get the ball in the box like Angelino, but he, was, he certainly wasn't the the come inside and make the little passes to Rodri and, you know, help City make, help make City more solid. So that didn't really suit him either. So 
yeah, we're judging him as a left back, but this specific type of of left back, which yeah, at other clubs they don't have quite so much. Um, but the other the other thing is, it's not like oh well, he can't do he can't do the other type of left back role. It does it doesn't matter? So he should stick with this. Yeah, like there's there's no reason for him to get on the outside and put crosses in like Mendy used to. They don't need that. Keep keep him keep him doing this. Like okay, he might not be the. I mean, he's quite versatile because I remember the West Brom game, he was getting up and down the touchline to kind of help exploit the spaces that Foden was creating because Foden wasn't too involved against West Brom, but it was one of those games when he was just like, will you provide the width over here or the player's going to be on the right? You know, Cancelo's going to be doing everything over there. You hold the width over this side. And it was a very selfless performance. And like Zinchenko was there to kind of exploit it when he could, so he was getting forward as well. But yeah, he's not... He's not going to get out the outside and put the balls into the box like Angelino and Mendy could. But, but here's here's the kicker though now, Sam, because um, you know every, every single year <laughs> over the last what feels like a hundred years, we've said at the start of the season, well, City needs to address the left back issue. Yeah, well, they do. They do still need a left back. They're, they're going to get I'm into not that position that because again. I was so vociferous about it. They do obviously need a, need a left back because. Well, I mean, look, you've got you've is, got is the it, who can do it. You got Ake who can do it, but it's like. If you start having injuries at centre back, then then you've got a problem. It's just get the, get a left back sorted. And I mean, look now, maybe maybe they don't need to do fifty million and buy somebody who's going to play every game. But um, just yeah, I, I'm talking myself out of this as I go on. But do they, they need do to get need Mendy one. off the books? Yeah, absolutely. Is that, is that the thing? Well, what's he what's he here for? How many games has he played recently? He just plays FA Cup, which is which is just well, I still trust you enough to play FA Cup, but. Has he played a league game that I've forgotten? Uh, he started against West Brom. The last game he started was against West Brom um, yeah. in de- back in December. Yeah, there we go. Um, that And that was the game when Guardiola went... So, obviously, Guardiola said it was after the West Brom game. They had all the meetings and said, we need to play better. But it was after the derby when he said, we need to try something else. And he put Mendy to attack. And I think... Did Cancelo play right back? No, Cancelo was inside. No, Cancelo, yeah. Cancelo played right back, I think. Mendy didn't feature in the derby at all. No, but it was after the derby that basically both fullbacks went forward. And that's why I was like, oh, they have tried something different here. It didn't work because, like I say, it wasn't a great game. But they did try something different. And we've talked loads of times about how people were saying, oh, it's a double double pivot. But it wasn't because Gundogan was further forward. And obviously that's how he got his goal. But as I said before, even when it was a double pivot, it was because City had both fullbacks going forward and they had a front three. And De Bruyne was making it a front four at times as well. So it was very attacking. But obviously after that game, Guardiola just went no. And they had that chat and they went back to you know, the inverted fullbacks. And that's why he's, he's not played. Um, yeah. And obviously he's- there was the whole... COVID situation over Christmas, which we defended him about, but I guess didn't go down well. And yeah, there's just... Yeah, so when I was saying I was talking myself out of the idea of buying a new left-back, I do think they do need one, just because you don't want to start taking chances of, okay, well, the centre-backs can play there, because if the centre-backs are needed, then you've got a problem again, and you need to you need to reinvent somebody else to play left-back again, and um, that it's not ideal. I, I suppose the need is less pressing, but I still think they, they need to do it. But, I mean, if they were to sign a left-back who bombs forward, I suppose it would be a good choice. But I would be contradicting myself. It will be good for a variety. Look, it will be good for a variety, I guess. There's so many games, and they can mix it up. But, um, like I say, there's, at the moment, there's no real reason to move away from the inverted left-back, get Cancelo forward kind of thing. But then I suppose if Cancelo is injured, that's where you get your knock-on. Because you're not going to get ask Walker to go forward. Yeah. and do what Cancelo does. So you get Walker to come inside and you want your left-back to get forward. So that's where you need the variety, I think. Yeah. So they do still need a left-back, and I've convinced myself of that. Is variety the um, the saving grace for Mahrez? Um, uh, possibly. Because he offers something that, that none of the other forwards offer in, in that sense? Um, but what? Bernardo can play off the right and cut inside on his left. And beat men. I know it's slightly different, but that skill set is broadly the same. That 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 box is covered. Um, Foden could play off the right and on in, inside onto his left as he does do. There are people to do it, and like those, it creates chances um, with the little, either the the cut inside and you float the cross to the back post. Bernardo can do that and he does do that, or 
it's kind of that pass where he's standing on the corner of the box and he just slips a little ball in behind the centre-back for someone else running inside him to run onto and have a shot. But Bernardo does that, Foden does that. I'm not I'm not like really majorly against Mahrez. I'm just saying, we're going back to my point earlier, if he did leave, he w I don't think he'd be missed in the sense of if they brought somebody else in as a body, you've got the bodies there and you've got the threat already. So you've got Bernardo who can play that role and beat a man. And yeah, like he's, I'm not saying he's terrible, Mahrez. I'm just saying, you know, if you were thinking about maybe raising money to bring in new players, um, Mahrez that's probably, is probably where I'd look. Yeah. Maybe uh, I'm being a bit harsh on him and maybe that comes from him need well not needlessly but falsely calling me out on twitter to millions of people <laughs> inviting a week of abuse but um i, I genuinely I, I genuinely need to try not to let that be a factor because that shouldn't matter but um, i just i don't know like like everyone else like i, I look at the numbers and i I've, I've put forward his numbers in his case not as strongly as anyone because there's an army of algerian fans who do it stronger than anyone would ever need but i've kind of made his case a lot in terms of how creative he is but still like instinctively i just don't get it and he frustrates me like he frustrates fans and he you know frustrates his teammates as as we've we've covered well i hope it's not been a frustrating listen for everybody else and that we haven't uh, found the negatives this week sam um no no surely not <laughs> no uh but uh, that's it for this week's why always us um don't forget that we we are coming to you with a quiz soon aren't we and, and uh yeah. you've not sent me your questions yet so i've not had a chance to, to have no, a go at what, them, what you've done I, I haven't finished them i haven't finished them uh it's two weeks from when we speak it's march the first at 7:30 p.m. UK time. Um, it, it, it should be really good. Like it should be really good. So Mooney's done half the questions. So what is it? There is there forty questions overall. I think there's forty questions. Uh, my, yeah, you've done twenty. I'm in the process of doing twenty. Yeah, my uh, my two sets are more historic about City. Yours are more current, are they? Yeah, but that's that's how it's been. So we've got quiz nights for like every team. And every like league we cover. So like, there's like a Bundesliga quiz and an Italian football quiz and Spanish football quiz, I believe. Um, and that's that's how they are. Yeah, that's that's the layout. Um, there's there's kind of a few terms and conditions on on the website and uh, unofficial. Well, there's like if you if you live overseas, if you live outside of England, um, and there 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 should be a prize from from City, like a good prize. We need to sort it out, but there should be a prize. But if you live overseas, technically, we can't send it overseas. Um, but I know we'll have a lot of listeners in America in particular and people who will want to play along. And I would also love to get that prize to whoever wins. Um, so I will unofficially say, if you do win, contact me first and I'm sure we can find a contact of yours that lives in the United Kingdom that we could post the prize to. Let's just put it that way. Because I don't want anyone to feel like, I don't want anyone to feel left out. It's like a, it's like a legal thing. We can't post anything abroad for, for whatever reason. It's like a legit thing. But it can be posted to somewhere in the UK, and I'm sure it would find its way to you. Yeah. But yeah, so, um, I'll, I'll tweet the link out on on Monday afternoon. If you haven't signed up, do sign up. It'll be over Zoom. It should be a laugh. Um, yeah, plenty of questions. And also, the quicker you are, the quicker you answer, the more points you get. So it's very unlikely to end in a tie. You need to be you need to be right, and you need to be quick. So it's a good little format. Yeah, and uh, you know, if you've listened to anything I've ever done over the last ten years, you'll know some of my quiz questions can get a bit uh, off the wall. So don't worry, I've not I've not written no, anything too bizarre. Don't no, worry. they're all right. Even I've, you know, like you said, they're they're historical. But I've seen yours, and I've had a go. Did I get eight eight, eight out of each round? So uh, yeah, eight, eight out of ten eight, on each round. So. Uh, I think you got eighteen out of twenty until I think you got nine in oh. each round. All oh, right, well there we go then. I'm not even a full Bert yet, so there we go. <laughs> Maybe I need to make them harder, but uh, yeah, we'll find out. Thanks very much for listening to this week's Why Wizzles. I'm David Mooney. Thanks as ever to Sam Lee. Yeah, thanks a lot. Cheers, mate, and thanks everyone for listening. Uh, you can sign up to The Athletic right now for less than a pound a week. Just use the code MANCITYPOD. The Athletic.